again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, you can find on Twitter at Horizon. Matt, you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. You can find links to all of our social accounts at HorizonRoundtable.com slash subscribe. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash HorizonRoundtable. And as always, be sure to subscribe to us where podcasts are found. And Matt, over the years, we have had quite a few guests on this podcast. But for some a reason, a lot, yes. But for some reason. We have never had this our next guest on, so it's now time to remedy that. Joining us for this episode from Staring at the Floorboards is Jordan Majeski. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, we, I, I, Jordan and I have followed each other for many, many years, and for whatever reason, this is the first time we've had you on. So, my bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a long, long-time reader, long-time listener, uh, first-time uh, podcast all right, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about kind of where you have the league situated here momentarily. But we have a we actually do have had some news this week because the Horizon League came out with their official poll, um, and they picked Northern Kentucky to finish first this year, as we did, by the way. <laughs> so um, I found it very interesting. So Northern Kentucky is first. They actually had, and by the way, we actually did had we pretty much had a non-Tanner list for our picks, and we had to because we weren't sure if Tanner Holden was even going to play. And then of course they announced it, you know, three days later after we released all our stuff that Tanner Holden was going to play. Um, looks like the Horizon League uh, had no problem with this because. Uh, Wright State, they have picked to finish third, and they have Tanner Holden picked to finish uh, in the as a second-team all-league team. One other thing, too. We had Marquez Work as, as our preseason pick for player of the year. They had Trey Calvin, and I'm a little surprised. I'm a little interested in that because uh, for two reasons. One, they have Wright State at finishing third, and also we don't know the, uh, we don't know what having Tanner Holden in the lineup. How is that going to affect? There, there's Calvin no way. The there's perfect. no way that Trey Calvin is winning Player of the Year with Tanner Holden on the floor. And that's not to say that they're not both going to be all Horizon League players or anything. But there is no way in my mind that that is that that coexist coexistion is going to happen there. No way. Yeah, I gotta say. Um, and but I will say this: if they do both perform at the same level. I don't have him picking. I don't have him pick. I don't have him finishing third. That's fine too. Oh yeah, I'm I'm cool with with a lot I mean, of things in there. I just don't see a way that of the two that Kelvin is going to be player of the year. If you even want to tell me Tanner Holden, I'm maybe listening based on his previous work in the Horizon League. But I don't know. I don't I don't see a way that either of them excels to the level of of being able to call them player of the year. Now as a team, they might excel that that level. I'm cool with that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it just seems to be it's it's one of, it's kind of an either or that kind of is going to blow this yeah, is going to kind of blow this pre the official preseason poll away. It's either either Tanner Holden is going to or I it, it seems to me that in order for Tanner Holden to play at Player of the Year level, there's going to be some sort of loss of productivity from someone, probably Tanner Holden, which does which means that him being second team kind of doesn't make sense. But then there's the other thing that those guys could play to the level where they finish first. Who cares what we have to say? Jordan, you're here. Jordan, yeah, come on. 
Yeah, I, I agree that uh, with Matt's assessment there that like you can't I mean, they can both have great seasons and will help Wright State. Poss- I mean, they together, they, you know, could catapult Wright State to the best um, team in the league, certainly offensively. But, you know, you're splitting the vote there between Holden and uh, Calvin. And, you know, there just aren't enough raw county numbers to go around between them for one of them to be, you know, the, the best overall player in the league. Um, you know, so I think that oh, certainly, you know, leaves Warwick as the favorite or even BJ Freeman or, um, you know, and Aruna uh, possibly opens the door for him too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I agree that I, you know, it's hard to see Calvin being the player of the year with Holden back in the fold, uh, you know, elevates the team as a whole, but individually it's hard to see. That's a, a you know, a, a perfect example of splitting the vote uh, situation there. What I also find interesting that also on the all league second team for Wright state is Brandon. Well, and again, that makes, it makes me scratch my head a little bit that you have Wright State with potentially three all-league players, and they're still picked to finish third. I I think that might be a testament to how good the top two teams are. But as I have said many, many times, you could probably throw a blanket over one through five. And I... You could probably you probably wouldn't be wrong picking any one of those because you can make arguments for each and every one of those top five teams, and people have. Yeah, I like personally. Yeah, between Wright State, Cleveland State, Youngstown, NKU, and Milwaukee, I would listen to an argument for all five of those teams as being the best team in the league, and you know that's just what the horizon is year after year generally. And, you know, Wright State has maybe a, a feel to them like from two years ago where they um, are stellar offensively. And, you know, the defense is still going to be a huge question mark, but, you know, they can score better than anybody in the league. So, you know, maybe that's this is a repeat of 2022 happening. So when you look, so let's kind of get into where where you have these teams situated. I guess first and foremost, where do you who do you have uh, who do you have as your top Horizon League team going into the season, Jordan? I would tentatively pencil in NKU as my top team, despite some um, you know pretty major question marks, especially in the front court. But the upside type of players are there, um, you know, besides Vincent and Warwick, of course. But you've got Cade Meyer coming in, not necessarily an upside player, but um, Itijere, the Marquette transfer, really has the athleticism that, um, you know, they needed rim protection. And, you know, if he gets comfortable in the zone uh, and learns it quickly, I think he'll be just, you know, an outstanding rim protector in this league. And then, um, you know, had success with... uh, bringing in a, a D2 point guard. So, you know, we'll see how Bradley does. But I think NKU is feels like the safest to me to pick preseason. Yeah. And and one of the things we have not brought up is kind of the kind of the diverse mix of the top, specifically the top five teams, because you have because uh, it, it's kind of a mix of, you know, high-performing defenses and high-performing offenses, because obviously last year we saw NKU and their defense that was was the best in the one of, was the best in the conference, probably slotted right behind Cleveland State, who was just as good on defense. 
And then you kind of, and then Wright State, I know Scott Nagy lamented that he wasn't able to, his defensive scheme did not uh, perform as, he, as well as he wanted to last year. And obviously their, their placement last year was the end result. But then you have two real, two offensive teams in Milwaukee and Youngstown State. And I really don't see, uh, I, I really don't see those dynamics changing with the exception of Wright State and their defensive play this year, which I think is going, I, which I think given, I think it's going to be markedly improved from last season. Um, but yeah, the, you have three teams that are, that are kind of, Consider I would consider defensive teams, and then I have those two other teams at Milwaukee and Youngstown State who are clearly often set up to be, uh, you know, buckets basically. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, uh, Milwaukee has just so much raw athleticism and guys who can score and match up problems. You know, like if you know Freeman's going to be on the ball more, like that's just a matchup nightmare as a, you know, six, six, um, athletic ball handler like that. And they added a guy who's kind of flying under the radar from Tennessee state. I don't know how much he'll actually play, but Lyric Davis has probably the most athleticism in the entire league. Like when he went to Tennessee state, he was on, um, NBA radars already. So, you know, who, but who knows how, how much playing time he'll get, even though that's such a deep rotation there. Um, but yeah, I, and then, you know, Wright State basically has to improve defensively and their offensive ceiling is already so high. So, you know, I totally agree with your statement that there's, yeah, defensive first teams, defensive forward teams and offensive forward. Yeah. And one of the things we have been asking over the last couple of uh, few weeks, past few episodes, is this idea that there's kind of a, it, there's a, it, it's kind of, broken down it seems to me that this conference is broken down to the tiers you have that top five group and then to me you have kind of a middle five group uh your middle group and then kind of the and i just keep putting detroit mercy at the bottom because i don't know what they have <laughs> i'd also um, like to say that that was sick that that, that conversation has been a top six at times but after this week top five is the absolute right uh yeah grouping so imagine my surprise when I obviously with the top, uh, the the you know that top that five top tier top tier of five teams, uh, the official poll had you know Northern Kentucky first, right, Milwaukee second, Wright State third, Cleveland State fourth, and Youngstown State fifth. Again, you can make an argument for placing any of those five teams in any of the top five slots, and Oakland has kind of been anywhere between the six and eight range throughout this. Um, but imagine my surprise when I look at the official poll and they have Green Bay finishing last and Detroit Mercy finishing ninth. Do they know something that I don't about Detroit Mercy? I mean, the answer is probably yes, because I don't think anybody knows what Detroit Mercy is going to do. Yeah, with UDM, I don't, you know, their roster is just constantly in flux. You know, maybe they're looking like at an old roster that had, uh, you know, Coleman eligible this year or. Um, one of the New Mexico guys, Jay Allen Tovar, yeah. you know, they just have so many guys come in and you're like, Oh, that's a great addition. Then they don't pop up on the official roster. And you're like, you know what, what happened there? But, you know, um, I think a lot with them replies on a uh, Frenchie Chiku, the Rhode Island transfer being able to do, I don't know, like half of what Gerald Liddell did last year. 
because otherwise their front court is uh yeah they have a they also have a Gerald Liddell like problem with him in the fact that he is a two-time transfer and they're still waiting for his waiver exactly and that's and you know, I don't the, think they're going to get it <laughs> yeah just the perfect Detroit Mercy situation where we don't even know who exactly is on the roster still like a week before the season starts and uh, you know, and, yeah, and they if, were, if, if Chiku yeah. isn't eligible, I don't I don't know how they're, you know, even sniffing middle tier of this league. Yeah. What I find interesting, because I was looking at their non-conference schedule, uh, they, they again, Mike Davis, he he loads up on the buy games. And, and Matt, you'll be interested to know that um, Detroit Mercy is playing uh, Old Miss. And guess who? Transfer to Old Miss this year as a grad transfer. The, Who the the player with my the the my favorite name to say ever, Musa Cisse. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to say yeah. I I don't know why, but yeah, the seven footer is uh, trans. Yeah, what? Yeah, they gotta. Yeah, they gotta go into Old Miss. They gotta. They got like twin towers there. They got Musa Cisse and they got Jamarian Sharp. Uh, the the the. Western Kentucky transfer that they have to contend with. So if they don't have Chiku, they're in trouble. I mean, they were already in trouble, but that's going to make it worse. Um, one, one player down low too is not going to make a, make the difference. You've no. got to have some depth, and I, I I just struggle with this Mercy roster. I I don't think that's. I mean, Stone's going to be the superstar because somebody's going to score points. Kind of, you know, we've we've seen yeah. that with IUPUI in the past. We're like, well, I guess it'll be you know whoever because somebody is going to score, but like. I, I just don't see how that roster is any better than it's been. And it hasn't been good. It's obviously significantly worse. And if you start to factor those things in, uh, yeah. And then rough. take, and then take into account that for whatever reason, and, and to, and, and Mike Davis actually agrees with us. He doesn't know what's going on at Detroit mercy, but the, 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 the health situation with that, with Detroit mercy has always been an issue. And I don't know if that, I mean, it's such an, it's such an unknown, but with Detroit Mercy, it seems to me at least one or two of these guys are going to be out for some time. Yeah. They're, I, I, I don't want to say that, but it's, it always happens. Yeah. They're already relying on a guy with chronic injury problems. Um, the Emmanuel Quatch from New Mexico. And, you know, he's been Mac injured Man his too. whole career. Mac Mansfield just uh, he, I, I saw a tweet from him the other day where he's actually recovering from his knee surgery, too. So, yeah, going to be kind of interesting. <laughs> but um, I am. The, so, yeah, we, the, the official poll at Detroit Mercy ninth. But I was also specifically interested in the fact they have Green Bay finishing last and. Jordan, I don't know about you, but I, I I don't see it. I just don't see Green Bay finishing last this year. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get any worse than they have been. Like, it's obviously they're going to improve. Sonny Wicks is a offensive mastermind. They're going to run a lot of, um, like, if you've watched the way Jeff Linder turned around Wyoming so quickly, you can yeah. totally envision that happening at Green Bay. Um, it's just, you know, mainly a personnel issue. Like, who do they have besides Noah Reynolds exactly, you know, um, and especially in the front court. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're relying on D2 guys, Juco guys in the front court to run the pick and roll with Reynolds. And, you know, Lindner is 
Linder and Wicks were masters of, you know, pick and roll schemes at Wyoming. So there, you know, and a lot relies on who you have, you know, working the role. Uh, so I don't know about that, but I know that they have, you know, hidden upside that I think yeah. is not being captured or fully realized right now. I think with Green Bay, I think not just Noah Reynolds, I think the fact that they were able to bring back guys like Clarence Cummings III and Ryan Wade, I think sure, yep. where they are at, I think they will be in a much better spot in a Sonny Wick system as opposed to whatever Will Ryan was doing. Um, I also, I to your point, though, I think the their success is going to probably not only hinge on those three players, but also what Rich Byrie does, the D2 yeah. transfer. Yeah, Byrie's um, the guy I had circled as the most likely, uh, you know, pick and pop type option for uh, Reynolds in that offense. And, you know, Foster Wonders is also a pretty key addition in terms of his shooting and spacing, because spacing is king in uh, this Wyoming style offense. At the very least, he's definitely going to make a lot of all name teams. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Always has. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't bet, I, I can't bet against Sonny Wicks. I just can't. We, they, we, we, we were mesmerized, but we are consistently mesmerized by him. Anytime anybody has an interview with him, yeah, yep. you can see yeah. why. I mean, Tr- truly inspired hire, like great job by you know. Gr- they really uh, righted a lot of wrongs with the Link Darner situation, and uh, you know, I think they could make people kind of forget about how <laughs> terrible that all was. Uh, with this Wix hire. Anybody yeah. that self-identifies with talking about their trailer park chops and facial hair, like I'm already on board. Like, dude, <laughs> you understand the assignment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can't wait to, can't wait to talk to him again. Cause I know I'm going to, we, I know we are. Um, the other team that I, I think is kind of at that crossroads is going to be IUPUI where you have, now you have, uh, a bunch of freshmen who now have a year under their belt. You have Jalen Counter, who was a who was picked to be an all t- all second league team, and then you finally have Bryce Monroe, healthy and looks like he's he's ready to go for this season. Is this going to be one of those situations at IUPUI where if, they, if this team does actually finish where they're picked to finish tenth, is this going to be? Are, are we looking at a situation where Matt Crenshaw's on the hot seat? It's so hard to say with IUP, like, you know, what exactly is the long-term goal for the athletics program there? Yeah. And, you know, if I think that at the very least, the bottom of the league is going to be so much stronger than it has been because Green Bay is obviously going to be much improved. IUPY isn't going to be like, you know, the nightly uh, laughing stock that they have been. And, you know, especially with Monroe Healthy, as you mentioned, they have a you know, a legitimate backcourt between Monroe and counter. And, you know, um, they added some like legit athleticism with um, blocker from Buffalo, like some yeah. wing guy. Um, and uh, they're kind of like UDM hinging on a Rhode Island transfer in the front court um, with Abdu Sam. You know, if he's serviceable as a big, they're, at the very least competitive on a nightly basis, which is, you know, as going to just strengthen the bottom of the league as Robert Morris improves to, you know, um, and as you mentioned, that leaves UDM as the only team that I don't see 
having improved from the, you know, bottom region of the league. So I think they're last by default at this point. I'm glad you brought up Robert Morris because to me, Robert Morris is kind of an interesting situation where they they finished they finished it with the best record that they have in the Horizon League. They were kind of they were a middle of the pack team. The thing is though, they lose Enoch Cheeks, uh, Khalil Spear graduates, uh, Michael Green the third is is transferred to. He's not running the point anymore. When you look at what they've brought in and also who they have still there, be it uh, Jackson Last, uh, Josh Corbin, uh, Stefan Walker. Uh, we saw a little bit of uh, TJ Wainwright last season. Is are the components that they are going to bring that they bring in this season? Are they going to kind of soften the blow of losing a spear and a cheeks and a green? Yeah, I don't. You know, the defense is going to be there, um, and I don't think that's an issue. I just don't know who's going to make shots on this team um, outside of Corbin. Uh, you know, the, uh, Williams from LSU can play, um, you know, but I don't know if he's a big time, you know, like perimeter shot maker. Um, Chris Okowiak will be healthy this year, but again, like, I don't know what he's going to bring to the table exactly. So, you know, I think that there'll be, uh, just a tough matchup every night and well-prepared and, but I don't know. There's no real offensive upside to this team that I think that they can, you know. Sure. One of the one of their transfers that I, I don't know, I'm a little intrigued by is Marquise Hastings, because um, you know, at his last stop, he was he was very good at crashing the boards. I kind of look at Hastings as kind of the guy who fills that spot that Khalil Spear had. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it seems to me that that he 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 seems to fit that bill at least on the surface. And Matt, it seems to me that this is going to keep happening every episode. I was wondering. I was like, wait, is this is it me, Jordan? I don't have you. I can hear you guys. Oh, okay, All right. there you are. Yeah. So yeah, we we just talked. Yeah, I I didn't. I don't know if you answered that question about Marcus ha- Marquise Hastings about maybe he, he at least on the surface looking at him to kind of fit the bill to replace Khalil Spear. Yeah, I I think he does do that, but um, and fits in with the identity of the team and what Tool's looking for, but I don't know what he brings. Off, like any offensive upside, you know, I don't know if that's going to really address so much of the issues that I have with Robert Morris, which is on the offensive end of the ball and sure. offensive end of the court and making shots. So, you know, I, I think that they're, they potentially, I've seen a lot of people saying they're like, you know, maybe the top of that second tier. And I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing that with their offensive limitations. I think at some point, and probably a different conversation for a, a different podcast, but at some point we need to address the fact that I don't think Robert Morris has been what any of us expected or even what Robert Morris expected joining this league. Yeah. Um, they just haven't cracked it. And, you know, we all know Andy tools it was looked at as, as a great coach. He was one of those names you would see popping up in, 
and coach searches at bigger schools and all that. But, you know, it's kind of gone quiet there. And I, I think Robert Morris has really struggled to make the, the transition to the Horizon League. And that goes beyond just men's basketball at that. But, yeah, um, but you There's see no, it most in men's basketball. I mean, you see it on the court like they look like a uh, low major team playing in a league they don't belong in. Yeah. Well, there's always the hope to, that they break through. <laughs> Finally, uh, you know, we saw spit. We saw shades of that last season, and then we saw them lose IUPUI. Right. It's. But then again, it was last. Yeah, the last couple of seasons has been just weird for the Horizon League. Um, speaking of kind of what happened we're not really sure last season purdue fort wayne with all of their uh experience uh you know they finished two games above 500 but as far as the conference was concerned they seriously underperformed and now all of those players are gone so would you look at when you look at purdue fort wayne i guess the big name that comes up is obviously rasheed bellow because the the d2 transfer who was on a lot of play, a lot of teams' radars, but uh, Purdue Fort Wayne snagged them up. When you look at Purdue Fort Wayne, um, how did they? How did they kind of rebound from that? How did how did they how did they rebound from having the team that they had last season that kind of didn't live up to expectations, and then go to what quite bluntly is a, a rebuild, essentially? Yeah, uh, this is yeah a total rebuild, the biggest rebuild basically in the league, but. Like you mentioned, you know, last year they maybe this is like some sort of post hype breakout season, even with a new roster. You know, maybe with all the veterans not not panning out, maybe there were you know locker room things that needed to be uh, taken care of, and you know roster turnover took care of that for Kaufman. But you know, this is a good maybe a good example of you know a lot of people think Kaufman's motion schemes are kind of plug and play, and so we're going to see if that, you know, holds true, because this is definitely plugging new guys into the same roles, essentially. But yeah, you know, there's, he is probably the best scheme guy in the league and a totally new roster, but with, you know, it's not like a bunch of freshmen, although the freshman class supposedly is pretty ballyhooed, uh, some of those wing guys that he brought in. But Bello, um, Jackson from UIC, um, Max Nelson from Valpo, you know, you got we got a new acronym handling the ball with QMR taking over for DCQ. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they it's easy to put them at the bottom just because of their roster turnover. But I have a feeling that Kaufman's ability to scheme and plug and play nature of that offense will have them competitive. And they're a little slept on, I think, just because, you know, it's a little easy to just say roster turnover. This team's, you know destined for 10th, 11th place. But um, obviously something wasn't right last year with how many veteran players and good players they had to put up that kind of season. So, you know, at the very least, I think they can replicate what they did last year with new players, which is better than their proje- projection. I start to wonder sometimes if uh, Purdue Fort Wayne and Kaufman, and Kaufman's a great coach. He's oh, yeah. great to talk with, all those things. I think he does a lot of good things, especially on the offensive end. But I start to wonder if that, Purdue Fort Wayne culture almost as better as an underdog. Anytime they have expectations, they seem to underperform. And when you forget right. about them, that's when they shoot up to the top of the league. So it's like it, it, it almost seems 
Purdue Fort Wayne is better when they're being slept on. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. And that's kind of I what I was getting at in a roundabout way, that this is like a post-hype season for them. The expectation. Yeah. And one of the things, I'm glad you brought up Quentin Morton Robertson, um, because we saw a lot of him last season. We actually, and we saw him on the floor at the same time as Damian Chonqui, which is uh, kind of amazing because that was a really, while they, what they lacked in size, because they're both 5'8", I think, they made up for in ball handling, and they were really quick up and down the floor. I think that's, thing, a, that's an SID 5.8, by the way, too. That's not a real 5.8. <laughs> but what I find interesting about Quentin Morton Robertson compared to Jamie and Chonqui last season is that I think I, I thought I saw that Quentin Morton Robertson, he seemed to shoot the three better than Chonqui did last season. And knowing that Kaufman scheme where three pointers are a big deal, obviously. I, I think that he come. I, I think now that he's gonna be the he's gonna be the guy at the point. I think that's gonna be a little better situation for them at the very least uh, from beyond the arc. I think they. I think both Morton Robertson and Chong Kui kind of match up perfectly as far as you know the ball handling, running the point is concerned. I think it's that extra step, that that you know ability to sh- go go out into the perimeter and shoot. I think that that gives him a little bit more of an advantage as a, in, as opposed to what they had last year with Chonqui. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, they Fort Wayne was like first or second in three point volume last year, but you know middle middle to bottom of the pack in percentage. Yeah. So I guess my question then with Purdue Fort Wayne, I gotta ask this: Who's replacing my guy Bobby Planudis? I'm gonna miss that guy. Is it going to be Max Nelson? Because that's because it seems like Max Nelson is the guy you know has a similar kind of uh, game as Planudis does. There's no replacing Bobby Planudis. I know there isn't. I humor me, Matt. Humor me. I'm going to miss that yeah. guy. <laughs> I think Max Nelson will have the nominal Planudis title. All right, I can live with that. I can live with that sorta. Um, <laughs> um, Matt, do you really want to talk about Oakland today, or or, or or is it too soon? I mean, yeah. Let's hear what Jordan has to say. No, one, I, I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> if you're not aware, they've played an exhibition, and the good thing about exhibitions are they don't count. But losing to Div 2 Walsh, and not just losing like on the last second shot or anything, but being handled pretty much the entire time, that's just that's not how you want to start a season. Yeah, oh. what, I, what I read and saw from your tweets that, yeah, it was – that Walsh controlled the entire game and, you know, Oakland was just trying to keep up. But, you know, I guess it all comes down to whether you think Rocket having the ball in his hands a lot more is a good thing or a bad thing. And, uh, you know, there are days that it's going to be a great thing and days you're going to be like, what the hell's going on here? Um, but That is the know, Rocket like, Watts college experiment, and it summed up right there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, you, you know, Towns in the front court, like, They've got they've got guys, they've got dudes, as they say. So it's not, you know, for me, a matter of like uh, a talent deficit or anything like that, of course, which is, you know, rarely the case at Oakland. But it's just, you know, um, yeah, like what how do you like get good Watts consistently? And, you know, can 
someone like um, Hunter be an effective kind of like, you know, governor on him as a ball handler. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's hard to read too much into, you know, the Walsh loss. You don't, you don't want to have that happen, of course, but it's not like a season breaker. Didn't Cleveland State lose to Notre, Notre Dame, Dame College, College yes. or something last year? Well, and what I, I think, say, it, yeah, I think I made the, I think I made the statement uh, somewhere where it's like at least the, you know it's not as bad as Cleveland State losing to Notre Dame College. <laughs> it went and it counts, um, but I've also come to the conclusion that Cleveland State always does one weird, embarrassing thing every year, and then they're fine the rest of the time. <laughs> Well, and the, one, the couple, right. couple yeah. takeaways I had from from the Oakland game, we'll do it super quick. Um, first off was Andre Polk got himself benched real quick, which was a very um, quick. I mean, it's a very cliche campy thing. Polk shot a three and that's not what he's there to do. And yeah. then Campy sent him down the rest of the game. Like that's Campy sending a message in an exhibition game where he probably could have used Polk. Conway was a non-factor as well. Um, so those two guys have to play, um, especially o- Oakland's uh, other news that they haven't announced because I don't know if and when they can is uh, they're missing uh, a Juco depth piece up front that I don't think is going to play this year. It sounds like on uh, and Burrow Navatalu, I can't say the name, uh, the Australian dude from uh, Garden City, though. Um, I don't think he's going to be eligible at all this season. And that's a huge loss because that's a six, eight big um, mm. shot blocker, athletic, all those things that they, they could have used in a game like this. And I don't think that that's going to be an option at all this season, unfortunately, it sounds like. So guys like Conway and, and Polk have to step up to help Townsend. I mean, yeah, it, 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 I mean, a lot of a lot of talk about, you know, Rocket with the with the ball or Tone Hunter coming in for point guard. Point guard play wasn't the issue against Walsh, at least. It yeah. was strictly lethargic, bad basketball. So <laughs> and Walsh got off a lot of three pointers. <laughs> it was the kid from Akron. They have an Akron transfer. I forgot his name and the uh, kid went off. Yeah. Uh, I, before, before we move forward, I got to say, you know, one, one good thing about the Oakland game, shout out to Giovanni Mocheri, who did the play-by-play for that for WXW. For real. Or, and by the way, we'll tell that to, we'll say that in front of him because we're going to have him on for the uh, student media forum next episode. So. Gio, Gio is the real deal. I will say it with him here. I've said it to him. He, that, that kid is the real deal and one of the next upcoming, like, former Horizon people going to do big things. That's right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we talked about the game, that, you know, that exhibition game. And I guess we're doing secret scrimmages, too, now. Um, that that season is happening because I guess uh, Trilly Donovan, shout out to Trilly Donovan. Can't believe I've done that on this podcast, finally. Um, he actually, apparently somebody told him about the secret scrimmage between Youngstown State and Akron, where Youngstown State won by 30. Um I don't really take too much stock in it because I don't know who played because it's secret. Don't tell anybody. Um, but with Youngstown State, it seems to me that kind of the focal point is going to be Brandon Rush. But once again, as it seems to have be, it seems to have been for the last couple of seasons at least, um, they're just bringing these new talent, this new talent coming in from the transfer portal. Uh, Ziggy Reed, of course, the Merrimack, you know, bucket. I mean, he was like, what did he average like 23 points a game for Merrimack or something? Um, yeah, I, I think they will be, I think, uh, you know, with the losses they had, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. I'll say about the portal additions for Youngstown, watch out for Brett Thompson on the ball. Yeah. He is going to be 
probably the quickest guy in the league. He is a, a demon on the ball. And uh, sometimes he's out of control and he's uh, the OVC was not a good league overall last year. Uh, they lost, you know, Belmont and Murray State. But uh, he is uh, lightning quick and he will be a problem in this league. And especially I, in a Calhoun offense. Yeah. Well, he, also, I mean, with, not only do you have Thompson, but you also you kind of have that one-two punch now on the at the point because now you have Bryson Langdon coming in. And Bryson yeah. Langdon, we of course, you know, he was the guy who ran the point for Northern Kentucky for all those years. Right, and he's a, a good kind of uh, like change of pace type. Yeah. Yeah, not to mention, of course, we all love our Horizon League on Horizon League crime around here. <laughs> Don't we, Matt? Huge fan. Huge fan. Um, the one thing that I want to uh, – the the one concern I have with Youngstown State is going to be at uh, uh, on the at the front. Um, because last year they had Adrian Nelson, and he was the guy who pretty – he was pretty much the guy at the front. And – with this new, with Youngstown State, it seems to me that Jerry Calhoun kind of went in a different, different kind of direction to address the front court. He did get uh, a couple of those, uh, you know, mid-sized big guys, you know, Burns and uh, Jalen Bates. Um, he got those guys, but then he went really big. He got Gabriel Gabe Dines from uh, the freshman. Uh, who's what seven? I think he's seven two. And then more Horizon League on Horizon League crime. Manuel Zwergvall, the other seven footer from uh, from once again Northern Kentucky. And one of the things that um, and it seems to me that he's going to go deep because it seems to me he's got ten or eleven guys and he can play them any which way. And I don't think there's going to be a bad combination in any of that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, ver- and versatile pieces like, um, you know, Bates, Reed, EJ Farmer from Toledo as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I kind of have Youngstown sandwiched in between. I have them at fifth and kind of uh, a drop off between the top four and then Youngstown, kind of like their own little mini tier there sure. uh, between the before the rest of the league. But yeah, there's enough offensive upside there. I just have, like, you have questions about the functionality of the front court as it is. Sure. All right, Jordan, make your prediction now. Is this the last season of Calhoun? In the oh Lions? yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you could speculate the West Virginia job is going to be open after this year, and he'll be a front runner for that if he keeps Youngstown in the top, you know, four-ish of the league. And, um, yeah, I think this is barring a disaster season, which I don't see happening. Yeah. I think this is probably his, his swan song in the league. I love that. Use that term. I had that in my head. I was like, yeah, say it, say, yeah, swan song. Love that. (laughs) Say the line, say the line. Um, more like a penguin song. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, all right. We haven't talked about Cleveland state. And Cleveland State, I think the big thing that they're going to need to do is replace Deshaun Parker at the point and Spider at the uh, Spider in the uh, at the front uh, at the front on the front court. And the one name I keep getting um, 
there's a couple of names, obviously. They're they're pretty Cleveland State is really deep at the on the back in the backcourt. But the one name I keep hearing on the front court for Cleveland State is KG, KJ Debrick, the JUCO transfer. Um and it seems to me he's gonna be the he's he's kinda it sounds like he's gonna be the guy to fill that slot where Spider was. And I'm gonna miss Spider because he was there forever. Yeah, those are the things I have highlighted in my Cleveland State notes here. Um, who replaces Spider Johnson and who's the uh, primary ball handler here? You know, you don't want Louder on the ball too much. Uh, it kind of limits his, like, he that guy's hardwired to score. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you don't want to see him kind of dictating the offense. But then I don't know who else, your who your other options are handling the ball besides um, Louder. Um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, yeah, I like a lot of the additions and, you know, um, pairing in Aruna with a guy like Tevin Smith from Denver. Like, that's a lot of uh, matchup versatility and matchup issues for the rest of the league. And it just, you know, has that kind of versatility that I think has become synonymous with Cleveland State, you know, even from Gates to Robinson transition um, that you don't see a lot in the rest of the league. Sure. The one, the one name I can, and and Tevin Smith, and Smith, I, I, I see at the Denver transfer, I see kind of a potentially being the, being that guy, uh, you know, paired with Louder in the, in the backcourt. But I also think about the, the, the D two transfer, Chase Robinson, who, um, again, another point guard, he actually didn't play last year. He took a red shirt. Um, and he's in. He's he's going to be in the mix yes this year. So um, there's probably going to be some. There's definitely going to be some shuffling around in that backcourt for sure, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, and the, you know another guy with um, a lot of D1 experience and some uh, success in a lot of different places. TJ Moss will be. Fa- I would assume factoring in somewhere back there too. What I find that yeah, more more Horizon League on Horizon League crime. I thought he was gone for sure. I thought he was he was uh, he was graduated and going off to play somewhere else for sure. But then he shows up at Cleveland State door. And the funny thing about T.J. Moss is you know, when we saw when he was on the court for for Detroit Mercy, he was he was pretty good at running the point. Yeah. I guess the question then becomes, okay, how often are we going to see him? Especially right. when you have all of the when you see the depth at the guard for Cleveland State I mean that that's going to be the big question mark for me at least yeah they I don't want louder handling the ball too much if I'm or do I Cleveland State but yeah there there are options it's just uh you know who really emerges as the primary ball handler there all right so Jordan um you kind of uh you kind of talked a little bit about kind of where you have everybody slotted. So you have Northern Kentucky first. Where do you have everybody else slotted? Uh, Wright State second. Uh, Cleveland State, th- sorry, Milwaukee three. Cleveland State four. Youngstown five. Um, I've got Oak visited oh. since the Walsh thing. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to be reading too much into it. So gotcha. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep them at six. Um, okay. RMU seven. Uh, Fort Wayne, eight, uh, Green Bay, nine, IUPUI, 10, Detroit Mercy, 11. All right. All right. Well, uh, and who do you have? Who do you have as player of the year? 
I am in total agreement with Matt that I can't do a Cal- the Calvin Holden thing has me go with Warwick. Okay, great. All right, Jordan, I, I have one more question for you, too, before cause yeah. it sounds like Bob's ready to wrap. But I, I still have one more important question for you. Let's hear um, it. Last year, I mean, in the past, you, you've done a lot of um, uh, gambling side of things. How, how did you do last year in the Horizon League? And is that something that our high, Horizon League degenerates can look to, you know, outside of Horizon? But, you know, we, we have our own. But I'm just yeah, saying, like, are you an, are you another good source? How, how was your year last year in the Horizon League? So Horizon League was pretty strong, especially Youngstown in the second half was oh. a, uh, for a while there as consistent. Ah, okay, nice. So, so we can we can look to you as Horizon League degenerates, and you know between you and Horizon Boy, we we've got a pretty good read on this league. Is, is that <laughs> yeah. And by and by we, I mean all the rest of you. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. Matt. Definitely not me. Yeah, the Milwaukee second half as well was, uh, you know, if they were down big, you could bet on a comeback. If they had a big lead, you could bet against them. Um, so, yeah, that their volatility was uh, a fun uh, thing to bank on with them. All right. Well, well, Jordan, thank you again for joining us. Uh, staring at the floorboards.wordpress.com. That is where he is at. Go subscribe to him. Go to subscribe to Staring at the Floorboards. It's great. You know, it's all, all great content every year. Um, it's definitely worth your money. You definitely want to take a, take a look at that. Uh, you're on Twitter at your Cubs Dan, I believe. You're not. Are you anywhere else? Because I, it seems to me with uh, all of the socials that are out there, that there's plenty to choose from. Yeah, I'm not currently but the moment i have to pay a single dime for x i am out of there so uh same like that's the way we're gonna be going pretty soon so um never calling it i am never calling it x hell with that i am neither am i i i yeah so yeah as soon as he wants you know a nickel for it i'm i'm gone all right all right, and that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, next week we are going to be doing our annual student media forum. Matt, we are like two weeks away from the the regular season started. I don't know where our day – I don't know where our offseason went. It just seemed like yesterday we were just, you know, sitting around not doing anything, and now it's just everything. You know, um, I, I get that, but my, my life got a little crazy in there, so I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it feels about right now. You moved cross-country. That's I why. Did. I did. <laughs> if anyone wants um, to come play at the pit, please do. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, tune in next episode. We're going to be uh, – that's going to be the student media forum. Giovanni Marcheri is going to be one of them, so that's going to be great. Um, until then, HorizonRoundTable.com. That's where all of our uh, articles, all of our uh, podcast episodes are. Uh, you can pull us up. Um wherever podcasts are found and you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in next week. And until then, thank you all for listening.